0: there is a very big issue in our lives that no one seems to be addressing. I ask myself, why is that? I think probably because it's convenient for us to be able to ignore it in our own lives. And if I'm not going to address it in my life, then I'm certainly not going to point yours out, amen? Because I'm trying to hide out myself. And so I find that the topic that we are going to consider together in God's Word right now is something that it seems like has been lost and forgotten. Let me describe the challenge that we have. And this, much of this comes from a book called The Disciplines of a Godly Man. But 91% of us lie regularly at work and to our families. Hey, if 91% of us lie, that's pretty well another way of saying what? We all lie. Isn't that right? 91 out of 100 is pretty much all of us lie. Most workers admit to goofing off at work at least 7 hours per week. That means your average worker says that my boss is paying me one day a week for free because I'm not doing work and I'm getting paid for it. Almost 50% of workers admit to calling in sick when they aren't really sick. Now, I want you to ask this question What would you do for $10 million? Okay, when some people were asked that question, 25% of the people that were asked that question said they would leave their families for $10 million. 23% of the people that answered that question said that they would become a prostitute for a week for $10 million. 7% answered that they would be willing to kill a stranger for $10 million. Okay, that means in this room right now, there's 7 to 14 people that you better watch your back, okay, (laughs) because if they get made an offer, you ain't making it out of here. Don't we now expect that politicians will tell us what we want to hear, even if it's something that's not good? But later, if they get caught, they will find a way to get out of it and make it sound good. Do we not? Is that not a bottom dollar now? If you watch a politician, don't you automatically catch yourself saying, I don't believe you. No matter how many times that person goes on TV, six, seven, ten times, and says the exact same thing. Don't we expect that athletes will deny doing drugs? That athletes will deny breaking the rules or breaking the law? But then, if it's proven, if it's absolutely, if there's no way around it, if it's proven that they've done wrong, they'll issue a statement I regret my behavior that I did not admit to it earlier. Isn't it common? Isn't it just actually expected? That athlete is going to say, didn't do it, didn't do it, promise, I would promise in my mama's face with a hand on the Bible, I promise, I didn't do it, how could you ever think this about me? And then three days later, I regret that I did not admit to it early. Isn't it true that many times we feel that it is entirely appropriate to ask our family when the phone rings, tell them, I'm not, you already know the drill, you bunch of sinners, amen? Man, this message is timeless. Isn't it true that we make up another story if we don't feel comfortable with the real story and want to deal with it? Isn't it true that we'd love to have someone write that paper for us? And if they will, and if we knew we wouldn't get in trouble, we would at least use a lot of their work. How many of us feel like it's entirely appropriate appropriate to cheat on our income taxes? How many of us work hard? We're the model citizen worker when the boss is in the office. But as soon as they walk out the door, cursing that person saying what a jerk they are. I can't stand this job. I wish that person would just go somewhere else. How many of us feel completely comfortable making copies at work and not paying for them? Taking supplies. I'm just taking some tape. I'm just taking some paper. Just taking... I'm being nice with tape and paper clips. How many of us are fully willing to ignore the details of an agreement unless we're called on it And even then, we'd sure do our best to get our way out of it. How many of us exaggerate about the quality of a product that we sell? When I was working in construction, guys, I I couldn't believe it. Guys would measure a piece of wood. They would intentionally measure it wrong, short for what we were doing on the project. Say, oh well, can't use that piece of wood. Throw it in the junk pile to be thrown out later. Then at the end of the day, say, hey boss, that stuff's just got to go in the dumpster anyway. Too bad for that wood to get thrown away and wasted. Do you mind if I take it home with me? Because he knew good and well that that piece of wood cut short on the job would be perfect for what he needed at his house. I suppose we could call it lots of things. You could call it lying. You could call it cheating. You could call it stealing. But really, the bigger problem is we have a problem, a big problem, with integrity. That's what we're going to talk about in God's Word together this weekend. Integrity. This is the first message in the second volume of a series that we did. As Pastor Jeff shared, we started a series before Easter called Growing Deeper, Getting Strong. Church family, listen to me. It is our heart... It is our desires, your pastors, as ministry leaders in our church, that this church gets stronger, amen? And that's not to imply anything negative. I thank God, I was reminded this week in talking with some other people what a great blessing our church family is. It's not talking about a problem, it's talking about the desire that we have for us to move forward in our relationship with God. And so we've been sharing some things, some critical things, if you want to get stronger spiritually, if you're tired of flailing around, if you're tired of the up and down of life and you want to be all that God wants you to be, we're trying to learn some of those things together and we're going to talk about living with integrity. Let's look at Psalm 15 verses 1 through 5. It says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness, and speaks truth in his heart. He who does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put his money out to interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Let's talk about living with integrity. And I think it's important for us, first of all, to start with this. If we're going to discuss integrity, we need to know what we're talking about in the first place. We're going to talk about understanding integrity. What does it mean? What does that look like? When we think of integrity, we usually think of one of two things. One, we think of lying, don't we? We think of truth-telling. Integrity is that you're supposed to tell the truth. Don't tell lies. Many times, we think, of, we think in a sexual way. We think of sexual integrity. Integrity is being a person that does not live loosely, does not live loose sexually, and is faithful to their spouse. Now, those are certainly parts of integrity, aren't they? We should not tell lies. We should tell the truth, and we should be faithful to our marital vows. While those things are critical, there's a much bigger category called integrity that has a much broader meaning. So let's think about that some more. Some of you guys that like math, all three of you, know that an integer, the word integer means something that is whole. It's a number that's complete, that is undivided. It comes from the same root word that we use, integrity. It means whole or complete or undivided. Think about I talked about a piece of wood just a moment ago. Think about a board of wood. Or think about a structure that has been built. Some of you are in construction or some of you build things. We say that something that is constructed with structural integrity. What does that mean? That means something that is sound, right? That that means something that doesn't have weak spots that could hurt us. That thing that has been constructed, it has integrity, that means it's going to stand up under pressure and get the job done right. The Bible draws a picture of integrity for us in verse 2, starting in verse 2. Verse 2, the Lord uses that word. He says, the kind of person that can come before me is someone who walks with integrity. It's the exact same idea that I was just talking about. It means wholeness. It means completeness. It means something that has been undivided. I want you to write this down. A couple of definitions of integrity. Integrity is really your desire to be the same no matter what the situation. Did you hear that? Because usually I'm hopeful that this is going to be a helpful understanding for you. Because usually, like I said, when we think about integrity, we think about, I want to be a person of integrity, so I want to tell the truth. I want to be a person of sexual integrity, so I want to be faithful to my marital vows. That's what we think about. But integrity is really a bigger thing. It means that you are the same person no matter where you are or who you're with. That you're not one way in some situations and a different way in other situations. What do we call that? We call it being fake, don't we? We call that being a hypocrite is really the word that, 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 that describes that kind of a person. Even better, integrity is your desire to honor God in every area of your life. That's really what integrity is. It is that Robbie Lankford loves God. And you know what? If you're here, I want to love God. But guess what? When all you guys walk out of this room, I still want to love and honor God. Amen. That is really what integrity is talking about. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. Be careful. It doesn't mean that we think we're perfect. It doesn't mean we're trying to be perfect. It's our desire to seek with all of our heart to love the Lord and to serve Him in every aspect of our lives. We're not trying to be one way in some situations and a different person at other times. There's no special situations when I change who I am. Even though we fail at that, amen? It is my desire to be the same no matter who I am, who I'm with, or where I am. Now, that doesn't mean that every situation calls for you to have the exact same behavior. Amen? Isn't that true? In fact, my daughter Lindsay likes to joke with me. She says, Dad, if the people at church saw you at home, I mean, they probably wouldn't come to our church. All right? Now, <laughs> now hopefully she's not saying because I'm a cheat, and stealer, Okay? But I think what she's saying is, I can be pretty goofy at home, all right? I've told you before, that is a badge of honor to a dad. For your daughter, for your son to say that you're weird, that you're goofy, that you're strange, I'm just like, give me more, amen? That's exactly what I was going for, all right? To be honest with you, if you hang around me long enough around here, you'll find out that I'm kind of goofy and strange. But it's not that, okay, when Pastor Robbie's preaching, he's preaching. When he gets home, he's kind of picking on Lindsay and, and being crazy and all that kind of thing. And so that's not what we're talking about, okay? The Bible recognizes that there are different seasons, that there, that there are times that, are, that, that there's ways to act appropriately in certain situations. So that's not what this is talking about. If I'm at a wedding, I, I, I'm in a different situation than I am a funeral, Correct? Okay, so that calls for a little bit different uh, a way that we're going to approach a situation. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying that a person of integrity would seek to be the same person, not fake. They would seek to be honoring God no matter what situation they find themselves in. Psalm chapter 15 gives us a lot of details about what a person of integrity looks like. Write these things down. It gives us a list here. He says, a person of integrity works righteousness. That's a person who seeks to do right. That's a person of integrity. A person of integrity, it says in these verses, speaks truth in his heart. It is your desire, if you are a person of integrity, to tell the truth from a sincere heart. Verse 3, it says, a person of integrity does not slander with his tongue. A person of integrity does not talk badly about other people. Does not gossip or speak wrongly about other people. A person of integrity doesn't do evil to his neighbor. I would not want to do anything to harm other people. Nor does he take up a reproach against a friend. Same idea. In verse 4, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised. What it's saying is when I see that God's not being honored, that bothers me. A person of integrity wants God to be honored in this world. By the same token, that person also honors those who fear the Lord. A person of integrity loves to see other people following God and doing His will. So, says a person of integrity swears to his own hurt, makes a promise to his own hurt and does not change. What does that mean? That means that a person of integrity keeps a promise even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. That's a very good one right there, by the way. Because I find that even very many strong Christians find a loophole in that one. Yes, I'm going to honor God. Yes, I'm going to do the right thing. But in this situation, I think I get an exception. In verse 5, it says, He who does not, a person of integrity does not put his own money out at interest. Now, some people believe that the Bible teaches absolutely, interest is absolutely categorically wrong. Other people believe that what he's talking about is during this time, the practice is that the interest very commonly was 50% interest. It was exorbitant interest. But basically, what the Bible, the idea that's being put across here is that, listen, that a person of integrity does not take advantage of other people. That's the point, really. A person of integrity, does, he doesn't take a bribe against the innocent. A person of integrity is not willing to sacrifice other people for their own benefit. Okay, I won't throw other people under the bus just because it helps me out. Okay, so hopefully that gives you a better idea of what integrity is about. I think probably that definition... That overarching definition of you're the same no matter who you are or where you are, or who you're with or where you are, and especially that you're seeking to honor God. We said that integrity and living like this is rare and in many ways is challenging. So there's no wonder why many people don't want to live with integrity, right? Because it is hard. But I want to talk with you about what the Bible says about the importance of integrity. Because we could just say, I don't want to do it, right? Couldn't we? That's the decision that many people make. I'm not living like this. It is too difficult. Why should I? That's a valid question, isn't it? Why should I be a person of integrity? If most people don't want to live like this, if it's hard to live like this, why would I ever do it? Well, we kind of start out with the middle verses. We read verses 1, uh, verse, we kind of focused on verses 2 through 5 initially, but I want to go back to the bookends of verse 1 and verse 5. In verse 1 it says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? These verses tell us two big reasons that we should live a life of integrity. Write these down. First of all, you need integrity if you want to be close to God. Did you hear that? If you're here right now and you say, I want to walk with God, I want to be close to Him. If you want to be close to God, you must be a person of integrity. The second reason is we need integrity to lead a solid and stable life. Many times when we talk about following Jesus, don't we immediately think, what is it going to cost me to follow God? Do you hear me? Many times, when we're thinking about what, what does it mean to follow God, we're thinking, well, what is it going to cost me, right? But maybe what we should think is, what is it going to cost me to not follow God? That's a whole different perspective, isn't it? These verses tell us that if I make a decision not to follow God's path, not to be a person of integrity, it's going to cost me at least two things. Two things are at stake here, at least. First of all, I need integrity to be close to God verse 1 is talking about being in God's presence. It's just a couple of different ways of symbolically describing being in God's presence. It says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Now this is a reference to the tabernacle. When the children of Israel were traveling in the Old Testament, God's, uh, uh, the the Ark of the Covenant traveled with them in the, the, the tent, the tabernacle. And so it was kind of a mobile temple, if you want to think about it that way. And so he says, God, your presence dwells in that. It doesn't now. Now it dwells in us, right? Because of of what Christ has done for us. Because the Holy Spirit lived it. But in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, the presence of God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle. So he says, O Lord, who may abide in that place? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He's talking about Mount Zion. He's talking about Jerusalem. He's basically saying, God, who may live where you live? Because Jerusalem was thought of the place as the kind of the seat, the the resting place for God's authority, His presence in this world. And many Bible believers, listen, get this idea. Many Bible believers, uh, many Bible teachers believe that this was actually a call that would go out before people would enter into the temple. Okay, so as people were coming into worship, people were saying, oh God, who may abide in your tent? Oh, oh, Lord, who may dwell in your whole, on, on your holy hill? God, people are saying that they want to come into your presence. Who among these people may actually do that? Isn't that incredible? So who may come into God's presence? Only those, first 2, who do what? Who walk in integrity. Now wait just a minute. Don't take this the wrong way. Some of us and many Christians through the years have taken this the wrong way. They've taken this kind of speaking in, the, in God's Word to basically mean if you want to be a child of God, you have to be perfect. That's in fact what some of you have already heard in your mind, haven't you? If you want to come to church, if you want God to have anything to do, to, to do with you, you have to be perfect and do everything right. And if you don't live perfectly... God will not have anything to do with you. You cannot be a child of God. Some of the people during Jesus' day took it that way. The scribes, remember we talked about in the the prodigal son story? Remember we talked about the scribes and the Pharisees? They had studied the Bible and they came up with 613 commandments. 613 laws that you had to keep if you wanted God to pay attention to you. Good luck with that, amen? First of all, I don't even know them. 613? I need to learn them first. Then I'm pretty sure if I got 600 right, there'd be at least 13 I'd be messing up on. Amen? That's not the message that God's trying to give us here, friends. God is not saying, there's a bunch of stuff. You better get it right, or you cannot be one of my children. Don't forget that story of the prodigal. That guy was still a son, wasn't he? Even though he was a long way from home. Friends, listen, we can do nothing to earn a relationship with God. Contrary to what religion, no matter what religion it's called, it can be a Christian religion, it can be another religion, many religions will tell you that you've got to do a lot of stuff to earn a relationship with God. That's not what the Bible teaches. But listen, here's the difference. But as a child of God, doing His will allows us to have a closer relationship with Him. Think about it for just a moment. Are there days, okay, my kids are my kids, right? Are there days when I'm closer to my kids than others? Is it, isn't that true? Okay, if you if you if you tell your your son your daughter, hey buddy, before school today, be sure to clean your room. When I come back home this this afternoon, I need to make I want to I'm going to check and I want to make sure. Okay, he cleans his room. We got a better relationship at supper, right? He doesn't clean his room. We got a conversation at the least, right? Is he no longer your son? Well, this is borderline, but no, absolutely not. That's not the issue, right? The issue is how close is our relationship? So if you think about it in that regard, and listen, catch that picture of that temple. If it is true that this was issued as a call at the entrance to the temple, what if someone was standing at the front door as we were coming into the service? What if one, what if a person was calling out to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, who may come into... Who may abide in your holy tent? O oh Lord, who may dwell on your holy hill? Basically, who among these people... Now listen... It's not saying who among these people are perfect. Who who among these people get it right all the time, okay? That's not what it's saying. If you're here and you say, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm here because I'm hungry, I'm searching, I'm open. Praise God, amen? But many of us have a relationship with God. Many of us have accepted Christ as our Savior. And God says, if you are one of my children, but you're not living in integrity, it should bother you when you come into my presence. That's what it's talking about. It's not not talking about a person that's hungry and searching and open and humble. It's talking about a person that's faking. Or that's not living according to the way their Lord has called them to. That's challenging, isn't it? To think about. So we need it because we need that close relationship with the Lord. But we also need it to have a stable life. Verse 5, did you see what he said in verse 5? He said, he who does these things will never be Shaken. There are a lot of hard things in life, amen? There's a lot of things that threatens to shake my life. Would you agree? Much of those things I can't control. Isn't that true? Listen, the Bible teaches that even those things, If I am a person that chooses to love and to honor God, that God will give me strength in the midst of difficulty that I had nothing to do with in my life. But especially, if you think about it like this, how many difficulties in our lives are self-inflicted? And that's not meant to make you feel bad or to feel condemned or guilted. It's just being honest before God. God, how many things are in my life that are causing me problems that are because I'm not walking with you? The Bible says that when we make a choice to honor God, when you say, I'm getting serious. Remember we started this series? We started this series talking about discipline, amen? I am serious. I want to be serious about my relationship with God, just as serious as I am about my health, as I am about exercise, as I am about my finances, as I am about my family, I want to be serious about following God because I'm tired of the messes in my life. It may seem hard sometimes to do the right thing at that moment, but actually, listen to me, in some ways, it's actually a whole lot easier to be a person of integrity. Have you ever thought of that? How's it easier? Because my conscience is more clear, amen? If I'm a person of integrity, I don't lay awake at night worrying. Who's going to catch me? Can you imagine? Some of those politicians, some of those athletes, you would think they're worried, but sometimes you wonder if there is a conscience. But don't you know that at night someone's laying there, I wonder if they're going to find out tomorrow. They don't find out tomorrow. I wonder if they're going to find out next week. When you're a person of integrity, you don't have to worry, do you? If they find out, they're just going to find out what they saw when they were with me, right? But also those consequences so much easier to live. Not initially sometimes. Typically it's kind of hard to do the right thing, isn't it? But those consequences that play out. I'm all for an easier life, amen? I'm all for a lot less mess in my life. That's what the Bible says. He who lives like that will never be shaken. That's what I'm looking for in my life. There's a lot of questions that I don't have answers to. But the Bible gives me a promise. If I choose to be a person of integrity, my life will make it. Do you want that? Wow, well, you come to church and you hear these kind of things and it goes against everything that you're seeing every day at work, It doesn't it? At school, doesn't it? Basically, what everybody at work and school is saying is, It's every man for himself. You know, I mean, I'm going to do what's right for me. And I don't really, you know, it it doesn't matter how we get to that point. I'm taking care of me. It's easy to get caught up in that, isn't it? Isn't it? When you work with people every day, when you go to school with people every day that are doing the wrong thing and they're making money doing it, their business is doing well, they're making good grades because they cheated, right? Right? And you come to church and you you hear is it possible that I have been caught in a wave that is wrong? We kind of sense that don't we? Don't we sense it? Especially if Christ is in your heart. That Everybody seems to be going this path but that does not seem what God wants me to do in my life. Could there be a better way? God's way. Is that what I need to start doing in my life? Now, how do you do that? It's so rare, it seems like I've never seen it before. I don't know what that looks like. So, let's talk about the path to integrity. These verses talk a lot about what integrity is, they talk about why we should have integrity, and they, they kind of hint at how we should do it. So, I want to take these verses and put them with the rest of, of some of what God's Word says and the rest of God's Word just answer that question. How do I become a person of integrity? The first way is to be saved. To receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Friend, you cannot do the will of God if you don't have God come and live in your heart. Okay, the Bible says that we are physically alive, but we are spiritually dead. Okay, and it's only when Christ comes into our life and we receive His gift of salvation... That we have spiritual life. Now we have the ability. We have the power and we have the desire to do the right thing. Amen? John chapter 3 verse 3. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It is impossible to do the will of God. It's impossible to want to do it and to be able to do it until God lives in your heart. But once he does, you'll start wanting to do right you ever seen those nanny cams before? You've seen, seen those on TV? Where people set up, basically i got a babysitter, I want to make sure they're treating my kids right, and so I put, there's a camera and a clock there, checking out these, uh, these housekeepers, not at my house, okay? But, but, uh, but that, that's one of those nanny cams, it's watching somebody, they caught the camera there, but it's watching somebody to make sure that they're doing the work. Did you know when you give your life to Jesus, you don't need a nanny cam? Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching over the evil and the good. I've got that on my desk because it tells me whether there's someone sitting in my office or whether there's nobody in the building and nobody would ever know, I need to do the right thing because the eyes of the Lord are in every place. I've got a nanny cam. His name is Jesus. Amen? And he's got them everywhere. I mean, in every little nook and That's your first. If you want to be a person of integrity, you've got to give your life to God. You cannot pull this off on your own. Secondly, you've got to deliberately choose this life of integrity. In verses 2 through 5, didn't you hear the words? He says, the person who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth and does and takes and does an action. It's a choice that you make with God's help to do the right thing. Many of you like me have been reading through the book of Daniel in your personal time of the Lord. Daniel, chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says that Daniel made a decision. Daniel decided. He made up his mind. He decided. Literally, it says, Daniel decided in his heart that he would not defile himself. Daniel made a decision. You know what? You can make a decision in this service right now. You can make a decision. I'm not talking about proudly saying, yeah, I'm going to start doing right. I'm going to show it. I'm going to do it. Because that's kidding yourself. You can make a decision in this room right now. By God's grace and with God's help, from this point forward, I am going to live as a person of integrity. Daniel did. He made a decision in his life. You can make that decision right now. Right now. You don't even have to wait till the end of the service. Right now, you can say, by God's grace, I will be that man. By God's grace, I will be that woman. God, I know I won't do it. I know I can't do it. God, it is... It is presumptuous of me to think that I could pull this off. But God, if you will help me, I will seek with all my heart, with your help, to do the right thing always. Amen? Number three, though, you must make a decision to surrender your life to God every day. Okay, giving your life to Christ, that first thing, that gives you the desire and the ability to do the right thing. You're here in this service right now. You make a decision. By God's grace, I'm putting a flag in the ground on this date, Mother's Day weekend, 2015. I made a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to be a person of integrity. But guess what? You're going to wake up tomorrow. Amen? You're going to wake up tomorrow. You're going to be faced with a decision. Are you going to make that choice again? Amen? Are you going to choose once again this day? You must make a daily decision. Remember I said, this series is about discipline. It's about getting serious. So that is pretty serious, isn't it? There's not many things that I do every day. So I'm going to make a decision every single day. There is no let up. There is no days off. Now, again, that doesn't mean I'm perfect every day. Don't start putting this mantle of perfection on yourself. That is actually a backdoor way for the enemy to throw this all off, okay? What it's saying it? it is my sincere, heartfelt desire that with God's help, even with God reminding me, right? Because I can't even remember every day. I forget. God, would you remind me tomorrow morning? He will. It's amazing. He will remind you. Number four, consider the impact. Verse 5 said that you will live a solid, strong life if you make this decision. That helps you tremendously. And it also helps others. How does it help you? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Bible says that as we grow in the ways of the Lord, our life stops having so much instability. Aren't you tired of riding waves? Doesn't that get old? It gets so physically tiresome, doesn't it? I'm doing the right thing some, and the next day I'm not. The Bible says as you grow in this, consider the impact of that. My life is going to get stronger. But maybe more important than that even, as you grow in the Lord, your heart begins to turn towards other people. Consider the impact of making this decision. How does it help other people if you decide to be a person of integrity? Didn't we say it's rare? Didn't we say not many people live like this? If that's the case, if you start living as a person of integrity, if people start catching you doing the right thing, even when they weren't with you, they're going to ask you. What's up with you, right? Now time out, Christians, because I know what you say. Don't say this. Don't say this because it's not true. Don't say, "Well, I just try to be a good person. Don't say, "Well, I just try to do the right thing. Don't say, "Well, my mama taught me and so." and you get all happy and proud and grinny and stuff, you know, and you say, "Oh, somebody's noticed that I'm being a good person." Wrong, You are not a good person. The only reason that I do anything right is because God is in my heart. Amen. Because Robbie's selfish. And before God got a hold of my life, it was going a bad, wrong way. And even today, it starts to get off the tracks very often. Amen? So when people say to you, man, you know, you don't talk about other people when they walk out of the room, or, or, or you know, you don't cheat on things, or you don't, kinda, you don't cut the board short, or you don't, they cut the board short, you don't, have to, you don't ask the boss at the end of the day, if you can take it home, wink, wink, I'll do it for you tomorrow. Why don't you do that? Oh, I just try to do the right thing. No, you don't. No, you don't. The answer is, here's what I'd say. Do you really want to know? No, this is what I'd say. I would say to them, do you really want to know? Yeah, yeah. Are you sure you want to know? Yes, good grief. Why do you do this? Because God changed my life you'll give your life to him he'll change yours too that's what's at stake that's why the world doesn't want to come to church is because we look like everybody else but if we started living differently then people say oh my goodness what's different about you hello wide open door it's awesome number five have support, have support from others how do i do this you have to have a team of people around you Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Daniel made a decision, but he was able to stand strong and do the right thing in a strange land, partly because he had some really good friends, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and some other people that, that stood strong with him. Remember what Denny talked about last week at the end of the service? He talked about the spotter, didn't he? He talked about you need a partner because you know what? We're pushing. We're continually pushing. We're training. You get to points where you burn out, so you need somebody just to kind of give you a little. He said they can't do the work for you, but you need somebody there just to give you a little. Pastor Chris cracked me up. (laughs) And y'all didn't even hear the half of it. He was up here, You couldn't hear him. You couldn't hear him, but he actually, when he went over there, he was saying, "No, guys, please, really, no, really, guys." No. He said, "No, guys, really, please. I, you are holding this, right? Don't don't think I can hold this. Okay, I can't do this. It was hilarious. <clears throat> but you gotta have that, don't you? We need each other. It's called interdependence. I need you, and you need me, and that's okay. Amen." That's not just okay. It's the way God designed it. Last thing, and this is very important. When your defenses are down, rely on God's past instructions. I cannot tell you how important this is. Charles Stanley talks about the word halt. <clears throat> when you are hungry, when you are angry, when you are lonely, When you are tired, be careful. Amen? Because you're vulnerable to the enemy. Your defenses are down. Listen, this is part of, listen, God, we're in some weightlifting program here. Spiritual weightlifting. This is training. Are you going to get this right tomorrow? No, but you're not going to do your workout fully tomorrow either, are you? But just because you don't do it all perfect doesn't mean you don't do anything right. It's progress, not perfection. Amen? Progress, not perfection. Okay, but you begin to train yourself with God's help. Right now, I'm not at a good spot. That's what you think, right? Okay, right now, I'm not at a good spot, so I need to be careful. Right now, I'm not seeing things completely like God does. You ever have moments like that? Okay, and so you begin to acknowledge, God, I'm not feeling it. I'm not seeing it. To be honest with you, God, I don't want to do the right thing anymore. Amen? We're just being real. Amen. But in those moments, you must train yourself with God's help to say, even though I don't feel it, even though I don't see it, even though I don't like it, it looks completely false for me to do God's way. I'm going to trust what I've known in the past. God is good. God is faithful, that God is true, and that doing His way is best. Can I just tell you something? If you took one thing from our time together this weekend, if you would take that, that is a very mature, very strong decision to begin making. Because we all have weakness. Amen? It's easier. Not necessarily easy, but it's easier in this room to say, Praise God! Do the right thing! Tell the truth! Report all the income! (laughs) Amen, right here. It's easy. When I'm filling out my taxes at home by myself, that's when I have to be reminded to do the right thing. Even when it hurts. Even when I don't feel like it. Or I don't like it. I'm telling you what, if you begin to exercise that muscle, I'm going to begin training myself with God's help. And when I don't feel like it, I will do it anyway. By faith. Trust in God. Guess what happens? If faith is the engine that drives your train, the caboose of feelings will always follow. Okay, So you learn to let faith lead. Feelings will follow. But don't don't lead with feelings. Lead with faith. Amen? If you will take that away, you will be one strong step closer to being a person of integrity. So here's my question. What are you going to do? Because it starts back tomorrow, doesn't it? Starts back on Monday, doesn't it? Next week, doesn't it? Not everybody at work heard this message. Not everybody at work is on fire for God. So what are you going to do? Do you want to have a different life? Okay, if you want to have a different life than the people that you're observing around you, you've got to live a different life than the people around you are choosing to live. You can make that decision right now. You can say, God, by your grace, I will be that man, I will be that woman. Careful, not not I'm gonna do it, God, no. God, with your help, it is my full intention. With my whole heart, no matter who's in the room, if I'm halfway around the room in a the world in a hotel room and I get all the cable channels I want. I still will do the right thing by God's grace. Amen? Would you bow your head and say that to the Lord right now? Would you ask the Lord to help you? If you found yourself recently getting swallowed by the tide, it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to give in, to give up let up maybe you begin depending on your strength and not God's would you confess that and say dear Jesus I'm sorry I've been cutting some corners at work I've been bumping the line at school with what's really allowable God please forgive me I don't want anything to get in the way of you and I. Just having that full fellowship, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you with all my heart. And I want to do the right thing, God. I need your help. If you're here and you say, Dear God, I cannot do this. Praise God, that's the first step towards doing it. But you ask Him to come into your life and to save you, to forgive you. For all the ways that you've blown it
1: because all those
0: things stand between you and your God the one who created you and wants you to have a relationship with him he's willing to make it clean and to forgive if you trust him right now you say dear Jesus please come into my life forgive me for what I've done and be my personal savior I want to be born again God I want a brand new life I want to follow you Father, I'm pretty sure if a room full of people left here living like this, there's going to be a major, major impact across our area. So help us to have the courage to step out and trust you. We'll give you the praise for the good things that happen in our lives, the good things that happen in the lives of others as a result of our obedience to you. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.